this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com or other places. Just go to Patreon. You'll find us. Dig Me Out. And that's where you'll find the poll that led to this episode, Jay. True. This is true. The poll. The poll. This was a poll that was up in July to pick our August episode. Our our votes from our patrons made this happen. Yep. Just go to Dig Me Out. Go down on the footer. There's a submit an album. And boom. We put them in a backlog and work our way through them. So eight records from Dig Me Out listeners at the... uh, Take me out union on Patreon vote once a month. That's right. And you don't even have to be a patron to suggest the album. Nope. Anybody can suggest the record and then our patrons will vote on it. So you, you even go in there and stack the deck a little bit. Do I? No. What? Okay. We should. I should. I, you know, I never thought about that. I should throw some of my suggestions in there. Uh, Cause I have some, Jay. We have some um, union members that have gone in there and, you know, tried to double down. <laughs> I'm going to put 55 requests in for the same record <laughs> so that I know it goes uh, into every poll. Yeah, we've, uh, we've almost had that issue with a couple records. They've been suggested more than once. So uh, um, luckily, Bi- Blind Melon won. So Eventually, we, we yes. got through that. But uh, yes, we have, we have started to think of what do we do if an album keeps getting requested over and over again and doesn't get picked. <laughs> We well, just then we just start feeling that bad happen, for that record. Or what do we do? We just we just kind of have to talk yeah. to it on the side and say, "Look, you're just you're just not going to make it." <laughs> so for this poll, we had eight selections. Let's start with uh, the reverse order of of votes here. Coming with no votes, sorry. Thir- the third and the mortal with painting on glass. One vote. It was Luna's Luna Park. Two votes. Space monkeys escape from the 20th century. Three votes, sensors stack up. Four votes, Doughboys do crush. Doy. Uh, That's one that got a ton of love on Facebook. Yes. A lot of people really like that record. Maybe want to check it out, but uh, did not manifest in the votes. With five votes, Radish's Restraining Bolt. With seven votes, Yola Tengo's I Can Hear the Heart Beating as One which lost by two votes. Now, most people would think, you know, based on how these have been going, that that, that would be your safe mm-hmm. pick, right? You would think so, but it lost by two votes to the top vote-getter, Doppelganger by Curve. Who suggested that, Jay? That was suggested by Joe Peters. Congratulations, Joe. We have taken your suggestion, put it into this poll, and it has won. So we will be checking out this album on this episode. Jay, were you familiar with Curve before we, uh, you know, had it selected for us? 
the name sounded familiar, but you know, it's a very nineties alt rock name. Yeah. Uh, but no, I had never heard the band. So I had listened to them casually. I might've even owned a record that I picked up, like used somewhere just cause I was like, Oh, this is a nineties album, but I don't own anything. I have MP3s from some point where I ripped something some from somewhere, probably from, I hate the nineties blog. Cause there's tons of stuff that I've just ripped from there and stuck it onto a hard drive. Uh, yeah. But I had not, I, I did not remember listening to this record or any of the albums for that matter. Uh, and, and have, having to make an impression on me. So I'm just going to tell you briefly, this was a duo formed oh, okay. in 1990. It was Tony holiday is the lead singer occasionally plays guitar. And then Dean Garcia Primarily is the instrumentalist, bass, guitar, drums, and programming. They did have some touring members for different eras of the band. They're, they released... So there's actually an interesting backstory of, of this band. They both, uh, at one point, had connections to the Eurythmics. Dean Garcia yeah. auditioned to be in the Eurythmics at one point. Tony Holiday became friendly with Dave Stewart and... Mm-hmm. They were introduced to each other by Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. And so they started a band together and they didn't do anything. So Tony Holiday went and put out a solo record on Dave Stewart's label, Anxious Records. Uh, again, that didn't do anything any- again. So they reformed again as Curve and they put out three EPs in 1991 on Anxious Records. And it got some them some buzz. And then in 92... They released Doppelganger, also on Anxious Records. And that's where things started to take off for them. They got pretty solid reviews. They got a four-star review in Rolling Stone. Um, They got a four-star review in Q Magazine. So they stayed with Anxious for the next release in 1993, which was Cuckoo. In 1998, which they'd signed to Universal Records, they released Come Clean. And then in 2003, they released Gift. Uh, a couple of different records, depending on where, it, what country. Um, they also released an internet-only album called New Adventures of Curve. They also released a number of EPs during that time, and then compilations of their EPs and singles. And then they broke up in nineteen uh, sorry, uh, 2005, and have been off doing separate things. Tony Holliday has worked with uh, bands such as Orbital, as their vocalist dean garcia has released has played with other bands and then he's also released solo material now what's interesting i thought this was interesting he released a solo album in 2011 which included special guest jeff beck which i was not expecting Hmm. to see jeff beck come up Uh, but uh so there's that so let's talk some comments from patreon a lot of people did not go with curve hmm Yola Tango got a lot of a lot of talk. Some people did go with Curve. Mike Bond said, went with Curve. They had a great blend of shoegaze and industrial. And Doppelganger is a fantastic album that deserves more attention. Also, my 1991 teenage self thought Tony Holiday was just about the coolest person ever. Whitney Buehler says, Curve gets my vote. Instrumentally, there's so much happening on Doppelganger. You'll hear something different on every listen. Tony Holiday's vocal, Halliday's vocal soar. Sorry, I said holiday. It's holiday. Um, wow. Phil Fleming says, wow, this is a tough decision. I heard The Curve 
And Yolatengo, I remember reading about Radish and how they were going to be the next Nirvana. I've seen copies of the CD at times and resisted knowing Ben Queller's solo work didn't interest me at all. Okay. Yeah, they did get quite a bit of buzz. Steve Musinski said, I only know one Curve song, which is called Clipped, and it happened to be on the U.S. version of Doppelganger. It's a damn good song, and I've been meaning to dive into the record. However, I've been digging into that Doughboys record pretty hard over the course of last year, and that thing is a gem. I've actually been meaning to submit it myself, so kudos to Dominic, who was the suggester. But it looks as though Yola Tengo is going to pull this out, which isn't a bad thing in my, by any means. Steven it didn't. It did not. Gotta stick around, man. Now, Keith Sawyer said, I can hear the heart is my favorite Yola Tango full length as well. Really displays a wide range of styles and competencies, all expertly ex- executed. Though I'll cast my vote for Curves, Doppelganger, and their aggressive blend of gothy rock and dance, which somehow doesn't seem dated at all. Gary Moran, I didn't think I'd like Yola Tango, but theirs is the only album of the eight that I liked. Maybe I liked them more than I thought. Hey, hmm. that's a personal revelation. Congratulations, Gary. Yep. Uh, Gavin. Censor was one of the myriad of bands I heard as they were promoted as similar to Rage Against the Machine. They weren't, but this is still okay. I love that line about fashion being so ugly. I still use that. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm sure we'll get to that record at some point. Andrew O.C. Yola Tango is the only one I'm familiar with, so I had to do some homework. Vote is for Curve. Loving some of those Shirley Manson vibes. Boom. So we're getting some comments on Curve on this one. That's good. Yep. Yep. Basically, it comes down to like Curve and Yola Tango. Which I think which... we've bu- bullied everybody that if you're gonna yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna comment, listen, you bastards, you should vote for the album that you comment about. Alice Gibson went with Censor. Jim Lazowski went with Yola Tango. Justin Wexler went with, I think, Radish. Davey Bright went with Censor. Johnny Hooper says, I'll take Yola Tango. Eric Peterson said, the Space Monkeys escaped from the 20th century. Really, the band is called the Space Monkeys. That's pretty much all I need to know. (laughs) And uh, Tim Holsizer said, gotta love Yola Tango. Very good array of 90s out, uh, band names here. Space Monkey, Sensor, Curve, Radish, Luna. Oh, yeah, Luna. Yeah, there's, there's, this is about as 90s as, as we're going to get here. So, let's get into the record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Doppelganger by Curve. I'm going to start by reading Joe Peter's comment and then I'll work from off that. Okay. Uh, so Joe, when he submitted the record said this band and specifically this album were light years ahead of their time. As far as heavy driving sampled beats, shoegazer guitars and still ret- retaining great songs, writing hooks and ethereal female vocals garbage essentially stole everything from curve and put out several albums worth of subpar material and gained massive success while curve fell by the wayside. Um, I think that's a really good way to frame up the record. Um, so context here is important. We're talking early '90s for this record. Mm-hmm. Um, when I listen to it, I no, nah, I don't usually do a whole lot of research on the band. I let us talk about that as it kind of I put the two pieces together. So 
uh, I didn't know. I just completely unbiased. I don't know half the time. If I don't know the album, I don't know the album. I would have never guessed it was that um, early in the 90s. I, this to me sounded like, you know, mid to late 90s. And I thought it was derivative of garbage. So mm-hmm. um, you get a lot of the same. You definitely get a lot of the same elements. This is much denser. Um, so I think what I like about it is the guitar work. You do get the shoegaze, the density. Um, you get that kind of wash um, of guitars, but then you'll have like a, you know, a, a line that'll sit above the mix, you know, with kind of a droney or a melody. There's some pretty good guitar hooks too on here, you know, little um, riffs and things that, that pop out that are that work well. And then that vocal, which is, very, yeah, it's very Shirley Manson-esque. Uh, and, um, you know, I think it, it, it works really well. Um, it gets a little bit, I mean, it sits with, with the layers of the record. Let's put it that way. Like she can sing almost as an instrument, you know, um, playing off the guitar lines. Um, sometimes it, it kind of just sits in there like almost another, you know, layer of instrumentation, um, which is interesting. Um, so, you know, and there's some good bass work on this too. Um, some good mm-hmm. grindy kind of bass riffs. So those are the elements that I liked quite a bit. You know, the guitar work is Catherine Wheel or Swerve Driver at times. It can be in that kind of ballpark. Um, I think the thing that really distinguishes it is the drums. And I'll kind of hand it over to you to talk about what you like. First, I, I like the overall record in the terms in terms of just what it is. You mentioned about this being a, really a precursor to garbage. It sits in this really cool space between like lush the 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 shoegaze of lush which is a little more tame and the more aggressive end of shoegaze which would be like my bloody valentine in that big distortion wall of sound wall of noise sound and there's an element of a wall of of noise with this but it's tampered and it it's not abrasive but there's definitely a lot going on. And like was mentioned in the comments, you can listen to this a couple times and just catch something radically different each time. Mm-hmm. And being someone, I think I'm a little bit, I know that you like the Angelfish record and you're not a big fan of garbage. And I'm a little bit more forgiving of garbage, but hearing this makes me go, okay, I see, I see what garbage or, or what, the guys who formed garbage and then asked Shirley Manson to join the band were going for like, they wanted this sound, but they wanted a pop hook instead yeah. of an ethereal, you know, slash Gothic 
slash you know shoegaze vocal they they were going for a and you know i don't begrudge them i mean that's an interesting direction to take that sound nothing sounded like garbage when it happened on a on a mainstream level mm-hmm. so that's i don't i don't look at them as being like you know ripping them off or anything like that i just that was an influence and they decided to, I, i'm assuming it was an influence uh you know go in a different direction with it but I think this stands totally on its on its own. I think the thing that's I find interesting about it is how more how much more musical it is than it probably appears. You were mentioning about some of the guitar stuff. There are some really cool distorted guitar lines and bass line bass riffs, and Dean Garcia is doing a lot of work yeah. <laughs> on this record. The the on a couple of the songs. There's, there's this really grinding, you know, bass tone that sounds excellent. A, a lot of times they're, there's, they're paired with these really cool, they don't sound complex, but they're just like the right little tasty licks that he throws that are just wash with flange and, and distortion. And they're super, super overdriven and, and, you know, tons and tons of effects on top of everything. As far as I, I, I think you're going to bring up the drums, a discussion point. I'll put it that way. Well, I definitely. I just. I was trying to make the point that if you're going to say that they're a shoegaze band, the thing that makes them different than all the other shoegaze bands is the drums. Yeah, and I don't think they are a shoegaze. But I think they have elements of shoegaze, but to me, this fits in with you know. There's like a dream pop element to this. It's very dreamy. Her vocal is, yeah, you know, just on that precipice of of like Liz Frazier and Cocteau twins and that kind of stuff. It sits in a nice pocket where it, it dabbles in different areas of yes, there's some shoegaze and yes, there's these driving electronic beats, which almost have, you know, like Madchester kind of feel to them. Yeah. I heard that too. You know, and, and there's even like aspects of it that I was like, Ooh, this is kind of like soup dragons, you know, <laughs> which I, I admit I like soup dragons. I know that they were kind of written off as just being like a, a dopey Manchester really? pop band. I didn't, I didn't take you for a Soup Dragons yeah, fan. Yeah, Divine Thing and oh, okay, I'm All right. free and pleasure. How, yeah. how have we? How have we not reviewed that record? Dude, there was nothing better than in 1991 or 1992 driving around listening to the KLF, Jesus Jones, and Soup Dragons on a mix cassette in your Pontiac Fiero. Oh my God. You almost made me choke. <laughs> there were so many things better than that, Tim. <laughs> I'm just saying those were options at the time. Those were options. Okay. That was a, that was a fun summer memory of of working at the grocery store, having oh, a mixtape of a bunch of like big beat, European... unbelievable, exactly, exactly. Right here, <sighs> right now. Oh man, no yeah. You know, I be. heard um, the song "Sandpit," so it's the only kind of soft, quiet song on the mm-hmm. record. It got into a like an 80s almost madonna ballad feel like the way she sings and like those synths and like you know that kind of early 80s yeah um sound that that kind of triggered like the dream pop thing for me I'm like and, and i like that it's a good moment on the record i, well, I, think I was it, getting like heavy kate bush yeah yeah, yeah. you know but that I think, you know, that vibe yeah, too yeah. Yeah. 
that was where I was like drawing back as an influence from an 80s perspective because obviously these these were musicians who had had a career in the 80s in a sense so yeah yeah yeah. that's what's interesting to hear is this is such a yeah this is such a 90s sound but it was really made very on the precipice of the 80s so that's an interesting juxtaposition because it's really forward-thinking while drawing influence from a lot of interesting 80s parts and and then they're putting them together in a very unique way or it wouldn't sound unique to anyone listening to it now but when you're in the context of you know 1992 which is also an interesting you know when you think about what was going on in 1992 what was how was this gonna make a dent outside of critical acclaim yeah this isn't this isn't gonna go up against you know Alice in Chains Dirt and Pearl Jam and right. Guns N' Roses is still on a five single tear through the two, 92 and 93 and 94. So there's it's it's such a unusual record in that sense that it's clearly going to have an impact but it's almost too ahead of its time from a from a mainstream perspective. So what aspects of it did not work for you well it's very dense um mm-hmm. there's some of that i i enjoy because i do like the revealing of the layers where i struggle is it i found it dif- just difficult to focus on it I, even taking my notes i mean there would be like a song like maybe split into fractions uh, there was a song i don't know doppelganger like my notes on it are basically like I kept trying to like focus on the song and I kept getting distracted because it just I don't know if it was there's so much going on that it it's just your my brain requires that focus to be able to say like okay right. I'm listening to the song <laughs> because otherwise it's just like okay there's too much going on and I just have to shut this out so I found I mean that just being honest I found that happening a lot and it wasn't that I don't like it it's just uh, I didn't feel like I could actively listen to it all the time you know. Um, I think there's some material on here, like already yours and Horrorhead, I think are, you know, crafted well enough that from a songwriting standpoint and a hook standpoint that they hold me. But then there's a stretch in the middle of the record where I just struggle to keep engaged with it. Um, I think it recovers towards the end. Sam, Sam Pitt helps for me just get, get my attention because it's just such a change of pace. I'll, I'll just pinpoint to me that I think the drums are the, the problem for me. There's There's so much going on. I don't mind the drum machine aspect of it, but there's like tambourines and like phalanges and delays on the drum. So like you hit, you hear the hit, you hear the drum hit, and then you hear the echo of it hit again. Um, so you know every kick beat has all these nuancey little micro beats around it. Like and every like when you listen to the the hi hat, there's always like a tambourine and shaker, and so it's just a lot going on rhythmically. And when you put that with the guitars, the amount of guitar layering and synth layering going on, it's just a lot to process. And um, I really like when the record opens up and there's some more space and the drums just tone down a little bit. They're just almost spastic, um, which I don't, I don't think they need to be quite so dense. If they could just be simplified a little bit and cleaned up a little bit and get rid of some of the, some of the extra, and there's a lot of like overdubby kind of drum things, like accents here and there that happen that I'm not sure are helpful. So that's that's the part I think as I really analyzed it, like why I was having so much, what was causing sort of the sensory overload was 
just the amount of information coming from the, the drum parts that I didn't think were all that necessary. I hear you. I think as a passive listen, this is really enjoyable. Yeah. And I think as an active listen, it can get, you, you can, like, like you said, you can lose focus because there's so much going on. It becomes hard to like track anything in particular. Yeah. I do feel like when they slow the tempos and are in more of a groove than a driving beat, it works better for me because the up-tempo stuff just tends to sound like a machine. Yeah. Whereas more mid-tempo stuff, I get a better sense of, I think she she's, her vocals fit better. They're darker and they're, they work in a more sinister level. If that's, Mm. you know a, a way to describe it it just sounds cooler yeah and when she's singing over top of a of a really up-tempo song it just reminds me of like republic or something or republica you know that ready to go yeah yeah, yeah. like it doesn't sound as special as when the things are cooled down a little bit and and the you mentioned the the only slow song on the record which is very ethereal which is sandpit comes at track 10 of 11 tracks and yep. I, maybe they just needed to change up the record just a little bit in terms of the running order maybe if that was track five it would make the record sound a little bit different mm-hmm. but yeah i'm with you i don't i don't that's the thing that age that's the only thing that really ages the record i still like the overall sound it's just the stuff that made me want to like go back to something we're always tended to be on the slower mid-tempo stuff think it's a record that samples well you know if you go through this it's not available on streaming but if you go to the playlist on youtube and go through it um, i think you'll get a good impression of it yeah it's the really investing in it it just takes a lot and i and i think there's pieces and parts that i can absorb um, but the whole thing is just it's it's 47 minutes it's not that long Um, it's just the amount of information (laughs) It's a good like record to put on a work to, you know, oh, if you just yeah. want to zone out. I mean, that's most of the listening I did for this is it's just been passive listening while I'm working. Just have it on over and over again, uh, kind of absorb it that way. And when I, I just found when I went to do my notes, I was like, okay, I'm going to focus. What's going on here? I just, I haven't struggled this much in a while to be able to stay focused and actually, you know, make sense of, of it. 
I will 100% agree. Like, while working, this is a great record. And I've, honestly, I find that with a lot of stuff which is beat-driven, you know, has electronic mm-hmm. or, or digital, you know, rhythm sections, is it helps because it, it sort of puts you into a mind, you know, a, a, a certain mindset of repetition. So it doesn't uh, interfere with whatever thought process is going on while you're working. Right. So let's talk about overall reading, Jay. I have to give my um, random band reference. Oh, so go the, ahead. The, the, very, the very beginning of Split into Fractions. Yes. Uh, the little intro part, you hear like this little synth um kind of blipping sound it al- it sounds almost exactly like van halen's mine oh mine oh my god it does <laughs> it happened to, you know as i would be sitting there working and that would happen to be like how did van halen get like what's going on did my itunes go to shuffle or something and i'm like oh oh wait no that's not the song i'm totally gonna ab that on the episode <laughs> So I'm 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 almost good for one of these every episode. It's like a WTF band reference. I wonder uh, what instrument is is that a keyboard? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a keyboard setting, or like probably a popular late '80s, early '90s, you know, keyboard patch. Fascinating. Uh, my rating, I am at an EP. Um, I think there's some strong, really strong material. I think there's some good material. The nature of this type of music, though, I, I just I feel like it's better in an EP format. Um, you know, I think a five five to six song. EP is, you know, really good for this uh, type of music in terms of being able to absorb it all and get the strongest material in there. Um, Eleven songs is just it's it's a bit much for me um, to really be able to appreciate it all. Um, so I'm in an EP. Um, I might be at an album. I'm like, I would drop already yours, and I'm, I'm at an, I think I'm at an album. Okay. Only a couple, a couple of the real. Just you didn't the, like already yours. It's just, I think that speed. Gotcha. That's that's what I'm talking about with the. Yeah. I, I think the vocals are cool on that song, but it just, I think that's just one of the. I think there's only maybe like two songs. I'm trying to remember what the other one was, but. I'm with you on the tempo. It just, I think, um, it's one of the ones that had the best, uh, you know, hook in the chorus. Yeah, this is it's not a particularly hooky album, but I don't no. really need it to be. It just give, it give you that memorable kind of like, oh yes, you know, I like this part and remember this, you know, it's the thing you can grab onto. Right. So, I'm at an album. I would cut that. I'd probably cut it to 9 songs. I mean, I think Think and Act I, w- I might trim as well. It's over 5 minutes. Yeah. That song. That's the one that sounded like Catherine Wheel to me. Yeah, I, I could hear that, especially in the guitar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Early Catherine Wheel, obviously. Right, like Ferment. Yep. Yeah. So, EP from Jay, album from me, need to thank Joe Peters for suggesting this via our website, which you can go to at digmeoutpodcast.com. Go to the Suggest an Album link and do so. 
You can go to Patreon to vote, become a patron, join the union. You can become a union member for as little as two bucks a month to vote in polls. You can also join us as a member of our steering committee or our board of directors to help us pick episodes, to help us pick roundtables, to help us pick 80s episodes, get T-shirts, all that kinds of stuff. And you know what else? Keep this podcast ad-free. If you've noticed, as you've enjoyed this podcast, you've not heard any ads for mattresses or meal plans or (laughs) most of the other things that you hear through other podcasts. Web hosting or web hosting or yeah, whatever. So if you want to keep it ad free, head over to Patreon. And if you can't um, become a patron, give us a review. Jay, that reminds me. I'd like to talk to you about some baked goods that I'm selling. Really? Jay, if you go on over to timsbakedgoods.org, <laughs> you can buy my zucchini bread. Shipped to anywhere in the United States within 24... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, ad-free for nine and a half years and still going. If you like what you heard, like Jay said, you can leave us some positive feedback over at iTunes. So for Jam Tim, we're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Just-